Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. We are coming off of a weekend, still kind of soaking in summertime. I had a couple of friends over last night on a Sunday night, even though we started back at school. (laughs) Um, Kids are swimming. My husband made this lovely prime rib that he smoked, spent like all day on. Um, And it was beautifully seasoned. It looked gorgeous. He brings out a bottle of red wine for everyone. And like everybody, like there's one couple there. And they all know, like, hey, I don't drink a whole lot anymore. And so I think they assumed it was going to be for the three of them. But I was like, you know what? I actually really just want to try a little bit of red wine. Like, maybe I maybe I like it. I don't know. I used to drink it all the time. That was my favorite go-to drink. But recently, probably in the past, like, three years after I had COVID that knocked out all of my taste and smell, it just tasted terrible. Like, I couldn't even choke it down. So I thought, oh, I bet that's, you know, that's probably gone. So I poured a tiny little amount, took a sip of it, and I like truly could not even swallow it. Like it was so bad. And the rest of the people there were like, this is really good. It's that there's not anything wrong with it. It's actually really good. Um, And I'm like, okay, I like how fascinating to me that I haven't had this thing that I thought was so important to me. Like it was like my like little security blanket for years I don't even like and then I'm like did I ever like it I don't know I don't I really truly don't know so I think there's a chance I never liked it in the first place but I was roped into the whole like well classy women drink dry red wine and if you're drinking out of a pretty glass and it's expensive then it can't be a problem it's got to be you know just fine, you know, like fine in our culture to, to do this. And so I think a lot of it was that I culturally got roped into that. I was doing what I think other people wanted from me, even though no one's told me they wanted that for me. It's so weird. Like you, we are just the weirdest little creatures. Um, so anyway, I don't like red wine anymore, apparently. So that's interesting. I don't know that I ever did. So there we go. Um, so anyway, just a, an interesting reflection, you know, I opened up an alcohol free bottle and ended up still having the experience with all of them. And I drank the whole bottle throughout the whole night of my alcohol free wine and it's good. It's not the same, but I actually prefer it now. So how interesting, why don't I drink what I prefer? And I didn't wake up with a hangover, or any sort of side effects. So it's like, cool. Um, as a side note, I will tell you that I had one client that, was drinking alcohol-free red because red wine was her thing. And she kept getting headaches and found out that there are still, you know, some of the same properties, obviously, in the wine because it starts out as wine and then they de-alcoholize it afterwards. That didn't set well with her. So she's like, I guess I just won't do that anymore. So anyway, that's a side note. I have not experienced that, but I thought that was an interesting little thing that I had not heard before, but it makes perfect sense, actually. Okay, so... Who's seen the Barbie movie? Raise their hand. Okay, so everybody's raising their hand. It feels like like damn near everybody went to see that movie. So I saw it actually on the opening weekend, 
And first of all, it was just fun. Like I had no idea. I'm so out of the loop with this stuff because I don't really like watch news or any of that stuff. And so I didn't know everybody was like dressing up in pink and making it like this whole thing. I mean, like the theater we went to, everyone was dressed up. Like even the people that worked there, like I was like, oh, here I am in my gray sweater that I wear every day. I had no idea. It was just like this big event, right? But they had done a great job promoting it. You know, I say all the time, like, best marketing team in the world. And I had low expectations for it, I'll be honest. Like, I really did not think it was going to be that great. I thought we might get a few laughs. Probably most of those were in the previews already. You know, I just didn't have high expectations. But dang, like, it was so much deeper (laughs) than I ever expected. I mean, I was crying. I have thought about parts of that movie a lot. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I like most of the world, I think, was pretty blown away. So um, it was just, it was such a clever way to sort of share the experiences of both men and women and how actually ridiculous it is for both of us. Like it doesn't work for either gender to have one world where one gender is in charge of everything and everything is driven by what that one gender wants and needs. So I found that to be really kind of a wonderful message. You know, it wasn't like a one side is right, one side is wrong. It's the whole point is this isn't working for anyone. So I thought I'd start this episode out because I think it's really relatable with um, the Barbie movie and America Ferreira's, like she did her whole monologue. It was amazing. I'm going to read it um, just because I think it's really relevant for this perfectionism versus excellence uh, topic. You know, I work with a lot of high achieving women, but I work with a lot of high achieving men too. And so about half of my executive coaching clients are men and they don't struggle as much with this of of the perfectionism, but they do have struggles. And so that has been really great for me to just have some compassion for that. They have different struggles than we have. Um, but you know, sometimes I'll say things like, I'm coming back as a man next time. They don't have to deal with any of this stuff. And that's not true. Like they have to deal with a lot Um, it's just different from what we're dealing with. So anyway, I'm going to read her, her monologue and then we'll jump into what this perfectionism versus excellence is. So she starts off, she's talking to Barbie, if you haven't seen it at the beginning. So she's talking to this beautiful, amazing woman and here's how she starts it. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart and it kills me that you don't think you are good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but sometimes we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane because, oh, but if you point that out, you are accused of complaining. You are supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you are supposed to be a part of a sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, 
never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says, thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll just representing a woman, then I don't even know. So, yeah, I mean, I was in the theater. She's doing this and I just didn't expect this to come. And I literally am with my family and I said yes at the end of it because it was the truest thing I'd heard. And I think that's why this movie has resonated with so many women in particular, because we're like, yeah, that is basically our lives. But the other thing that came up for me on this is that we also have responsibility as women. So yes, like to a degree, the external world is telling us these things. There is no doubt about that. That's how I got into the perfectionism in the first place. But when I stopped and said, hold on, they don't get to drive my life bus. They don't get to tell me that I have to be perfect all the time. They don't get to tell me I have to be thin. They don't get to tell me I have to be focused on my career or be a mom. They don't get to tell me those things. I get to tell me those things. This is my damn life. So that was powerful for me to start to take back that responsibility. And I started doing that about seven years ago. Like I am responsible for myself. That's empowering versus being a victim to all these things that I'm not saying don't exist. They do. Um, but it sure felt like impossible when I was in victim mentality, but when I was in more of that empowering space of, wait a minute, I get to say what I am (laughs) and I get to say if I've failed or not, um, that's for me to say. So anyway, I'm just asking to maybe consider a shift into that because I can get real knee deep into the victim mentality with this one and it can really be debilitating. It doesn't move me forward. I don't do anything good in that space. It's not good. So on the topic of perfectionism versus excellence, you know, I was working with a client who joined a new executive team and quite frankly, if you look at her on paper, even look at her with your eyeballs, she's perfect. Like when you look, you're like, oh, she is Barbie. Okay, she is the perfect, like she's perfect, right? No, we all know that that doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Um, but you could see how people could jump to that conclusion and I've worked with her for two years. So, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on who she is. However, when we work together, I see the imperfections. You know, I see the things that she struggles with. Um, And so I know that that isn't even true about her. But she was in an executive coaching um, retreat and she was with a new peer and the peer was tasked with telling her something that they admired about her and then telling her something that they thought she could work on. And when they got to what she could work on, the person just said, well, I don't know, you're seemingly perfect. So I can't, I don't I have no idea, no idea what to tell you. And this kind of rattled my client. So we had a call the next day and she said, you know, this really bothers me that people view me as somebody who even thinks they're perfect. And I said, well, do you think that's how they're viewing you? Or do you think they're using the wrong word? And I think we do this often. I think we use the wrong word. And in her mind, perfectionism is not a good thing. She actually thinks it's a detrimental thing. So she's like, she basically like insulted me, but I think was trying to give me a compliment, but then also 
kind of made me feel like I needed to dial it down a little bit or something. Like I was too much, you know, I was, I was working too hard, making people look bad. And she has gotten this feedback her whole life, by the way. So it started like in grade school, high school and beyond. So we started, I said, what do you think the right word is? So I said, what do you think about the word excellence? Because it's something I've been thinking about a lot too, as I've been unraveling perfectionism. And she said, yeah, she goes, that's funny you say that because my boss said the same thing. He said, I think it's more about excellence. I don't, I don't see you as somebody that even like portrays that they're perfect. Like I hear you be vulnerable. I hear you talk about, Hey, we tried this. It failed. Or we're, this is what we're doing next. You know, like moving forward, failing fast and moving forward. And so we started just brainstorming what the differences are. Cause it's like, it can seem like, Oh, there's just a small amount of nuance between these two. But there's really not. They're actually quite different. And so as we were brainstorming, mostly from our own personal experience of moving more towards excellence and out of perfectionism, we came up with some pretty specific things. So I'm going to share those with you. If you follow my newsletter, you have read this already, but I think I'm adding a little bit more context to it through the podcast. So, uh, you know, hang out, Uh, stay with me on this one for sure. So, So when I think of perfectionism and I think of my own journey with that, it was a very comparison-based way of living. So I was constantly comparing myself to others, which also meant I was aligning myself with their values. I was aligning myself with what was important to them, and that wasn't important to me. So it's like, whoa, okay, so I'm only comparing to, comparing to other people and how they're doing, and I'm not really grading my own paper. Right. I'm like, well, they all got A's. So, you know, and here my paper is ungraded. So I didn't even get credit for the work. So when I moved towards excellence, I started only competing with myself. And this was really important when I first decided to take a break from alcohol because I was all in on this excellence side of things. I was looking at my own journey, comparing myself to the day before myself, you know, like that's all we can really do. And even like the years before self and just really standing tall on my own values, which I did not know my own values seven years ago when I first started on this just developmental journey of wanting to better understand myself, wanting to not live a life where I wanted to just check out. Like I wanted to run away from my life seven years ago. And so that was you know, a big part of it was understanding my own values. So two, my two core values, and it's taken me a while to get to these. So if you don't know what these are for you, that's quite normal. Actually, I think people just throw out words and retreats and things like that. And I don't know that they're really, they've really been well thought out. I used to have a list of, you know, five to 10 values. And I was like, okay, but what are the themes here? The biggest theme for me is curiosity. And so that was, that's one of my core values, curiosity. And that was really important in my own journey because when I was only competing with myself and I was really intrinsically focused and I was just curious, like I wasn't beating myself up about it. I was just interested. I had never taken a long break from alcohol. So other than pregnancy, you know, and then you feel like shit anyway. So that doesn't count. Anyway, I had never taken a long break. So I'm like, well, let's just try it. Like, let's see what happens. Like, I was really interested. And then I started reading Quitlet and listening to podcasts and all these things. And it was like the curiosity was there and it was super energizing, honestly. And so that was what I was aligning myself with is be curious. 
not judgmental, curious. Judgment is on the perfectionism side, by the way. So that is a very judgmental way to live. Um, and I would call that, I would tie that directly to perfectionism for sure. My other primary value is hope. And so that one came in to play when the narrative started, which is the comparison to others, comparison to even my own experience of trying to quit before say I'm going to take a break and making it one day, you know, or making it two days or making it to January 4th on a dry January. Um, the hope side of it was there to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah. You've not completed a dry January before. That's true. But that just means there's hope that you can. Like there's hope that this time is going to be different. Something feels different here. So those two values are really important. Those are the two values I really held on to. And I wasn't comparing to anybody else. Like the mom who had 10 years sober and just, you know, decided to quit on a whim and hasn't had a drink in 10 years and says she doesn't have any cravings and everything's perfect. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to compare myself to her because that's not me. That's not my journey. So that was really, really helpful for me to get out of that. And then also the comparing of like, oh, but look at them. They're out drinking and having fun. Having fun. I'm saying this in air quotes. Oh, they went to that concert. Oh, I used to go to that concert with them. Oh, they're having fun. And then you actually talk to them and they're like, oh my God, I was so hungover the next day. It was horrible. I never want to do that again. And you're like, oh, so this is where like social media and some of these other things can really be to our detriment, you know, as we, as we look at this, I'm not somebody who thinks that social media or the internet or technology is all bad for us because quite frankly, I've found some really amazing resources out there that have made me feel less alone in this whole journey. And so So I do think there are positive things there, but we have to be cautious. Like we have to be our curators of our own content to say, is this helpful for me to look at this right now or see this? So one of the other big pieces to perfectionism, and I have certainly struggled with this one, is the massive fear of failure. So I would often not try things because I was so afraid that I couldn't get them just perfect. And so what's the point? So with the journey with alcohol, The second I would even have like a desire to drink, I'd be like, oh, screw it. Just go have a drink. You're going to do it anyway. You know, like, so why are you even trying this? Like, I think somewhat subconsciously, I never tried to take a break from alcohol because I was afraid of failing at it. (laughs) Right. And so on the side of excellence, I really look at excellence as failing fast and moving forward. Like being very objective with it. Oh, that didn't work out. Okay, that's interesting. Let's figure out why. And now let's try again. Like, you know, like I get to try again. Cool. That's great. So that's also where like that curiosity and hope shows up. Like, okay, cool. What did I learn? So I often have clients that will start off and they're like, I was doing so good, Rachel. I had 60 days and then I went to this wedding and I drank and it's all just gone. And I'm like, no. No, it is not. You have learned so much in 60 days. Let's go back to what you've learned. Let's decide what you want from here on out, from this day forward. And let's go with that. Like, no time is lost. I think that's partially why when people ask me, like, how many days were you sober? I can't answer it. I say it's almost a year. I have no idea because I never counted days because I was so focused on truly one day at a time and counting days to me just was all about perfectionism. It just felt like that was just digging all of that old stuff up and I wanted nothing to do with that. 
So that is a big differentiator. And that was part of the reason why I wasn't successful for a long time because it, I just, or not even successful. I wouldn't even try. Cause it was so like, it just felt so hard. It felt like I couldn't do it. And if I failed, how was that going to feel awful? Right. Then we get into self-criticism and all the judgments towards ourselves. And that is freaking exhausting. So that's the perfectionism side. The excellent side is all about self-compassion and curiosity and it's energizing. I mean, that gives me energy to think about being curious and to practice some self-compassion when you have a drink or you things don't go as planned. That's life. Like that is going to happen. I just really think this excellent side is just sort of a way to live, you know, like a happier, more pleasant way to live. Even though it sounds daunting to say like, well, I'm going to go for excellence. <laughs> wow. But you're only comparing to yourself. So, you know, like excellence for you might mean that you have a job that you enjoy. You have time and space for your family. You have time and space for friends. You have time and space for yourself. That might be excellence for me right now. That is excellence. I am not pushing forward for any big drastic change it's turtle steps along the way and damn it if those don't add up like they add up when I think of where I was three years ago my god like so proud of how far I have come with this and how much I've learned and in so many ways just like mind boggled that I was ever stuck in that I would say the other big key just to leave you with something as you're maybe navigating this yourself And to leave you with something tangible, I know I've been talking about that. Like, I want to give you something that's useful, like you can, you know, take away. So I would say that one big differentiator that I've noticed between perfectionism is and excellence is that perfectionism feels very externally focused. Like I was always looking at what other people were doing, the comparison, what they were thinking about me. Oh my gosh, well, if I did that, they would judge me. So I can't do that. So it's very much externally focused, aligned with external values, aligned with our societal norms, all of those things. Excellence is internally focused. It is just for you. So again, only comparing to you. And that just feels so much lighter just saying that out loud. Like, oh, I only am competing with myself. Oh, cool. If we're competing with every other human or every other woman on the planet or every other mom or every other business owner, we are screwed. We're screwed. First of all, people don't tell you the full truth. And I'm not saying they should necessarily. Like they tell you the success story and that's fine. Like that's our job as humans to say, we know that that hasn't just been the whole journey. Like that wasn't the whole picture, but they're telling you the success story because that's what we like to hear. I get it, you know? So I would say the internal focus is a huge one. And so also what comes into play with this is people-pleasing, which is a huge part of this whole thing. The monologue I read through the Barbie movie has a lot to do with people-pleasing and, you know, looking towards the external world for the answers. And so if we can just please ourselves, not in a, you know, dirty way, if you want to do that too, that's fine. I actually think that's great. Um, But, you know, if we're only pleasing ourselves and we're internally focused and we're driven by our own values, uh, yeah, we're just like, things are going to go better for us, period. Like I, I will challenge you to try, to try this for an extended period of time and come back to me and tell me it doesn't work. Cause I'm not going to believe you. Like I just, I see, I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in so many women. And I think it's the power that we are not 
harnessing and using as women. And it is our own internal power (laughs) and being internally focused versus externally focused. So the tangible thing here is where do you think you are? Like this is kind of a spectrum. Do you feel like you're more on the perfectionistic side of things? Do you think you're inching towards excellence? How do we continue inching towards excellence? Rinse and repeat some of the things you have already been doing. If you're fully into perfectionism, take some turtle steps here. Like I would highly suggest starting with self-compassion. It is one of my major pillars in the Drink Less Live More program for a reason. So start with self-compassion. There's tons of work out there. Krista Neff um, has some really great free resources out there. Start with self-compassion. When you start down that road of self-criticism, pause and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to let my friend talk to someone like that and your friend being you. So I'm not going to let you talk to me like that. And we practice that self-compassion that can make such a huge difference towards inching yourself towards more excellence. And then the other thing I would focus in on is maybe getting clearer on the values, you know, understanding what your own values are. If you don't have it narrowed into two, um, work towards that. Like what are the common themes here? And then I'm going to drive my life towards that. It doesn't have to be what your family of origin said that it has to be. It doesn't have to be what the workplace says it has to be. I think if I hear one more person say integrity in a workplace <laughs> um, retreat, I'm going to lose my mind. Like everybody says integrity. First of all, nobody defines it the same way. There's a lot of different definitions of integrity. Um, but it just feels like one of those, like I can just throw that out there and people respect it because it sounds great. Everybody wants to work with somebody that has high integrity Um, but it's, it feels too easy to me. Like it just feels like an easy fluff one that we can throw out there that we don't really ever explain what it is. Um, and it annoys me. So anyway, (laughs) um, if that is one of yours, I want you to clearly define what that means for you. So some people will say being honest all the time. Okay. Well, you're not going to be honest all the time because everybody lies. When I say that in retreats, people are like, (gasps) I don't lie. And I'm like, bullshit bullshit. We all lie, whether it's to other people or it is to ourselves. We are all liars. So, um, I'm not buying it. Like if people say they don't lie, I just, I don't buy it. Um, and I think, you know, I've been having this conversation with my kids. I've been talking to them about, you know, sometimes it's okay to tell a little white lie if it's in service to, maybe someone's feelings or they're not in the right time and space to hear it. So, you know, I love clear communication, but if you're communicating with somebody that is just knocked down or not in a good space mentally, it's not the time to tell them all the shit they're doing wrong. (laughs) So, so, you know, like maybe the timing is important and maybe if this is a one-time interaction, is it really worth ruining someone's day for you to tell the truth. Maybe not, you know? And so it's like, there's a lot of like gray area with this whole, I'm not a liar thing. But anyway, you all are liars. So am I. So, (laughs) um, I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll be back again next week on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, I'll be publishing a new episode. I am really hoping for some more guests to come on. I'm really looking for people that, maybe aren't completely sober, but more of those people that are kind of in a similar camp to me, they just really wanted to evaluate their relationship with alcohol um, and what they've learned, 
how they've learned it. Um, those are really cool stories for I think the listeners to hear. And I think there's very few of those out there. It's an all or nothing world in a lot of ways. I never drink or I always drink. Like, what the hell? Like, there's got to be some sort of middle of the road. I'm doing it. There's got to be other people out there doing it. So it has to be possible. So I would love to hear from you if you would like to talk through that or just like, you know what, as I'm, you're listening to me, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to talk back to her. Like, I have some things to say. Like, I would love just to have some of those conversations and have my audience here from other women because I know that my experience, while it's relatable, it's not the whole experience. And I love having those conversations because they also spark something in me and spark that curiosity again in me to make me think about things differently. And that's what it's all about, you know? Like how can we maybe just learn a few things here and there to think a little bit differently and move ourselves towards excellence. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.